Absolutely. So classrooms are one of the most vulnerable spaces I've ever been in. Mm. And so it takes a lot to show up every day having done the readings or maybe not always done the readings the whole time, the whole way. Um, Empathy is multifaceted. It's rich. It is both emotional and embodied. And I didn't realize that until I looked up the etymology and the history of empathy and its origins in ancient Greek really tie to this definition of physical affection, this physical inspiration that we feel as sensations in our bodies. So empathy is first and foremost highly somatic. This week on the Steely Podcast, empathy, pass it along. This week on the Steely Podcast, the deal with empathy and specifically, what is it? Welcome back to the Steely Podcast. I'm Claire Hogan. And I'm Jacob Hall. And today we're going to be talking about empathy. Yeah. So today we have a number of different interviews and conversations that we had with the Steely partners, um, as well as a few guest professors talking about what empathy means to us and how it plays out in the college environment, especially in the classroom. And then later on, we have Pablo Yanez, who is a staff member here at Steely, being interviewed by Sam Vito, one of the student partners that you'll hear in our group discussion about empathy later on. What does empathy mean? Um, Empathy means being able to be compassionate about something that you haven't experienced. Um, Yeah, just being able to be nice to someone and even if you don't understand their position, still being able to, like, be understanding. Um, Putting yourself in other people's shoes. Empathy means, like, feeling for somebody, like, if they're going through something, like, feeling bad for them, you know what I'm saying, like... Yeah, feeling for somebody. This is the Steely Podcast. Students and teachers speaking as one. I think that you all are really awful people, and I don't Perfect. understand yeah. your yeah. perspective that is on so lines. empathetic. And of you. I um, <laughs> can't stand being in the same space as you. That is crazy. What's the opposite of an empath? That's whatever I am. That's I yeah. Hate other people. <laughs> I'm embodying to connect with them. Exactly, the reverse of empathy. Yes. That's what I'm feeling right now. Yeah, that's. Is that antipathy? Is that like the word for it? We're getting really uh, abstract at this maybe. right now. I like it. <laughs> I always thought, this is not related, but I always thought that a great drag queen name would be Miss Anthropy, <laughs> which is the, <laughs> the hatred of other people. <laughs> so, anyway, sorry. So, we're all students here at William & Mary. What? And <laughs> no within way. the context of this college, we have a lot of uh, interactions with other people, maybe people who come from very different backgrounds than we do. We, um, of course, see our professors in our classes. We sit next to other students. We um, go to, we are often a part of student organizations that are made up of many different people who may or may not share common interests or backgrounds. Um, what are some of the ways in which we have to learn empathy within this college environment? And what are some of the ways that empathy is required for us to succeed at William and Mary? Mm, very deep question. That's Jason. a very good question. <laughs> wow. Let me give that one a think. Call me off guard with that one, not going to lie. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. There, it's We've got so many people with so many different experiences and you know 
you know, when you come here, there are a lot of people that you do share a lot with. There are, I mean, you know, you go to a classroom and half the people are like, yeah, I'm from Nova and that sort of thing. <laughs> but so, like, there are a lot of shared things, but you do come across people with experiences you just do not understand. And you just have to learn. You have to be ready to ask questions and listen and not assume you know everything. And then that's where the empathy can start. And then that's where we actually start building these communities and building an institution that's more than just buildings and charters and all that. It's people. William and Mary is people. Mm. Yeah. Um, no, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I also think that college is a very unique time because for a lot of people, it's the first time that you're kind of living on your own. You kind of have to manage your own schedule. You don't really have people. You don't have many people nagging you on what you're supposed <laughs> to be doing. You have to manage your own affairs. Um, and I think for a lot of people, that can be really difficult, which requires a lot of empathy on behalf of your friends. So like a lot of people in college struggle with like mental or physical health. And so that really requires a lot of empathy from the college community, from your friends, from people around you, um, just because it's such a unique time in your life. Speaking to that difficulty, I mean, when you come to college, you are much more vulnerable and you're on your own for the first time. You know, it's very scary. And being able to connect with other people and sharing that vulner vulnerability and being able to have a deeper discussion about like what it is that makes you tick, like what it, what it is that brought you here. And that's a very important discussion to have in your first few months of college, whether that's with your roommate, your hallmate, someone in an organization, there's a lot of opportunities to be empathetic and that builds a lot of relationships for you in the future. Yeah. I recently got accommodations for um, my ADHD, and it was really interesting to me how different I felt like I was being treated by my professors, sometimes the same professor, hmm. after going through that process with them. And to me, didn't really feel like much had changed, right? Like, I'm glad that there was this piece of paper that said that I was having this experience, but um, from the perspective of me, who has been in college for a few years now, the way that I had been experiencing the class didn't really change. But from the professor's point of view, now there was a reason there was like another sort of factor in how they should be managing me as a student and talking to me. And all of a sudden there was so much more grace for me and, mm. um, you know, making sure that I could turn in an assignment on time or that I was given the right resources for accomplishing that assignment. And it kind of opened my eyes to how we might be making some preconceptions about students or professors before we really fully understand their perspective. And maybe everyone deserves that level of grace and that level of flexibility, whether or not they're diagnosed with something or there's like a, you know, codified reason why we should empathize with them more, you know? Yeah. And I think that professors probably feel the same way in many ways. They are often creating expectations for students and they're trying to put their best forward in the classroom and also outside of the classroom in their research, whatever else they're doing. And I think that students often hold them up to this sort of idea of perfection that it's really difficult for anyone to become. And professors do a pretty good job of being perfect considering how many things they're juggling all at once in the college environment. So yeah, I think there's reasons why everyone in the college community could work a little bit harder to understand where we're coming from and 
let each other exist in these spaces and uh, fulfill these expectations that we have for ourselves and each other in a more understanding way. Yeah. And I mean, I know I, I always hate these four words, but especially with the pandemic, <laughs> you do start realizing how important it is to not assume what anyone's experience is. Because I mean, in this case, everyone kind of knew what was going on. You know, you look at someone and you're like, I know that they're like the pandemic is hard on everyone. Like everyone needed a little extra empathy, but it's this moment of like these things that seem to just happen and that can just be happening in the background of our lives can really make it so much more difficult to function. I had a, a moment with a professor um, last semester, I think, because going to school in a pandemic is a very strange thing. It kind of requires this like cognitive dissonance where you're like, oh, the world is falling apart, but still got to look at the syllabus, got <laughs> to go to Zoom yeah. school. Yep. Um, and this was back when all of my classes were on Zoom. And I had a professor sort of mid-class just kind of stop and share that he had had um, a loss in his family recently and that it affected him very deeply, very personally. And we just like stopped the class for 10 minutes and we all just kind of shared that like we all know people that were affected by COVID. A lot of us knew people who had died of COVID and just what a bizarre thing it is to be pretending that everything's normal, going to college, doing your essays, doing your exams when like hundreds of people are dying every day. And it's just this very strange environment that almost requires you to detach from your empathy a little bit to go around doing your normal everyday life because otherwise you would just be so overwhelmed with emotions. But even taking that like 10 minutes with a professor to recognize like what a bizarre time we live in and reconnect with that empathy just for a second before going back to class, I think was really nice and that, that really had a profound impact on me. Have you ever felt empathy from a Wilma Mary professor? Um, yes. Specifically, my sociology professors are very, like, understanding about mental health stuff and, like, deadlines and stuff. Um, they are very understanding about, like, giving extensions or people getting COVID and stuff. They always have Zoom rooms open this year, even though everything's in person. Um, my bigger, like, lecture classes... The professors haven't really said much about, like, extenuating circumstances and stuff, <laughs> but I'm sure that they would still be nice if people had something going on. Personal? No. I've never had to or never put, in myself, put myself in a situation where I could tell, like, ask me for extension because of personal reasons. Uh, yeah, if I go, if I go up to the professor and I'm like, I've been going through a really rough time, like something went on with my family or something, and I'd be like, that's why I haven't been able to finish this paper yet, like, they most, like, they have been like, alright, I'll give you like a two-day extension or something. This week on the Steely Podcast, Empathy, Pass It Along. Hi, everyone. Today we're going to be talking about empathy. We have a very special guest here with us. My name is Sam Vito, and I am one of the student partners here at STLI. Uh, and please, Pablo, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Pablo Yanez. I'm a program manager for the Studio for Teaching and Learning and Innovation. What is your daily uh, professional career like here at William & Mary? So, Sam, uh, 
much of my responsibility is uh, working with faculty members on the design of their courses. Um, specifically within the studio, one of my responsibilities is uh, the use of digital tools uh, in courses. So uh, I'm often working with those things. In addition to those um, issues or items, uh, I also work with um, a lot of our programming. So I'm in charge of doing things like the teaching and learning talks for, right. for the studio. Okay. So, yeah. Pablo, would you describe yourself as an empathetic person? So that, that's an interesting question. I, I, I think that I am somebody who's willing to, um, to talk to people. I'm very talkative. Uh, I don't necessarily want to do a deep dive on any everybody's emotional state. So I, I would put myself on that spectrum of faculty members who I think are empathic, but don't necessarily want to do a deep dive into um, everybody's emotional life. Okay. So I'm not, I, I wouldn't say I'm a touchy feeling person. And it brings it all back to the personality of professors. Right. Absolutely. You, you have to do what, what suits your personality and your, and your teaching style. How do you see empathy in education during these consultations with these teachers? Does, is, does empathy play a large part in that, or, or is that something that is more on the sidelines? I think, I think that empathy is always important in education. Um, I think that um, in talking to faculty members, uh, they often, especially in larger classes, will have a tough time connecting with their students. Absolutely. Um, and... And I think that that connection can actually have a significant impact in, in students' uh, learning uh, objectives uh, and meeting their learning objectives and getting the most out of education that they can. How do you try to kind of focus in on that empathetic side of teaching, especially for those teachers with the larger classes? How do you kind of make them the students feel connected to that empathy? I think that one of the keys, uh, I think that the, the faculty here at William & Mary are very empathic. All, you know, I, I always am hearing from faculty members who are trying to connect with their students. So I think that they, they understand the importance of empathy. I think that one of the key factors that they have to work with is you have to create spaces or moments for, for those connections to be made. So I think that uh, when you're teaching in a large classroom, uh, you can signal to your students that you're there for them. But you also have to create spaces where that interaction can take. You know, mm -hmm. I think that, that some of that sort of empathic uh, um, interactions that you can set up are not necessarily going to happen in a classroom with 150 students. So is that a space after the class uh, mm -hmm. meets? Is it maybe a space before that? Does it happen during your office hours? So you have to create those additional spaces where these interactions can take place. Creating so opportunities for the students to kind of look for it themselves and the fact that it's a self-starting kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. Especially with the larger classes because one-on-one -one attention in that is very hard to do. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that, that, that that sort of signaling and, that, and those, those relationships are much easier to develop if you're sitting around the conference table with 15 students or 10 students. It's much harder if you've got, you know, a, lec a tiered lecture hall with 180 students, right? And Absolutely. you've got people who are sitting 50 <laughs> yards away from you. Um, it's hard for the students to feel like you as an instructor are there for them. So I think that you have to generate these spaces um, outside of sort of the traditional meeting times. Um, 
it doesn't mean that it can't happen during a, a normal class period. Even in a, in a large classroom, you know, if you're if you're having them do share pair, you know, you're, you're walking mm-hmm. around the room, mingling with them, mm-hmm. talking to them. You can make those empathic connections with your students. Um, the other thing uh, that I would say is that this is something that that you want to signal is an option in your syllabus, right? Okay. So you want to make it very clear that. Um, that you can come and talk to them about, you know, how you're struggling, what what your issues might be with a, a particular class. Setting like certain times and opportunities for students to meet with you outside of the normal right. class meeting time. Yeah. So I think it's 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 the time has to be there, mm-hmm. the spaces have to be there, but you also have to let them know, signal that that they should take advantage of this. Uh, a few years ago, we had uh, one of our faculty members, Arthur Knight, okay, um, who talked about a little experiment that he did. Um, with his office hours. And he actually um, wanted to break down these barriers, not only for empathy, but also to have more significantly interesting academic discussions with the students Mm -hmm. because he felt like his office hours just weren't being used very well. Wow. And so he actually added um, a very small incentive for students to come to his office hours and talk to him, right? Mm -hmm. So it was basically, um, you didn't have to do much, you had to come and talk to Arthur in his office hours if you wanted a particular grade. I can't remember what his incentive <laughs> structure was, but oh, it was that's just that's smart. It, it fosters was, conversation, right? And and he felt like not only did he get to know his students much better, but the the level of what happened in the rest of the class was impacted because these connections had been made outside of the classroom. I think personally, in my own college experience, that the most empathetic professors really bring out the most charismatic and kind of just innovative teaching styles because they really care about the students. And in my experience, it's a two-way street. Coming to the office hours after, looking for that extra um, passion that the professors have and having them talk about themselves is a great way to have a very productive time in office hours, in class, having them talk about their passions and what their goal is for the class really helps them draw out. Yeah, I, I, I think that that can be the case. I also think that, th- that this is largely personality-based. Mm-hmm. You know, some faculty members might not make, uh, it might not make sense or it might not be part of their personalities to connect on a certain level, Right. But I think that even if you don't, you have to be open to, to. Uh, I mean, I think COVID has really brought this out. I mean, mm-hmm. some students have really struggled with COVID. Others haven't. But the ones that have really struggled, uh, I think it can be very helpful to lend an ear to how they are struggling or why they are struggling. And, you know, some of that can be on an emotional level. But as an instructor, being there for them in that way will also, I think, in, in many cases, improve their teaching because you will also figure out why they're, what specifically they're struggling with. Absolutely. And once you can break through those particular issues that they're struggling with, um, you can sort of start to apply that to other students. Well, Pablo, it was great talking to you. Thank you so much for agreeing to take time out of your busy schedule and talking to us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Sam. It was great being here. This week on the Stewie Podcast, we're canceling sympathy. Empathy only.
sympathy is trying to understand someone else from your perspective, then empathy is trying to understand someone else, but like from their shoes and from their perspective. Yeah, how it's always kind of, how I always rationalize it is like sympathy always ends up making it about you where it's like it's sympathy is wanting the person to feel better because them being sad is affecting you whereas empathy is focused more on like you want to help the person because them being sad is affecting them or them feeling a certain way is affecting them and I think that's something where it's like I've had professors in the past who it's like I would like email explaining like my reason for like needing an extension on something or something or other. And it's something where I think empathy in a situation like that is hard because I'm not about to like tell a professor I've known for three weeks, like the, like the deep reasons as to why I like, I'm not going to bear my soul in an email asking for an extension on a paper, but it's something where it's like, sometimes that request gets rejected on the basis of like, well, like how whatever's going on in your personal life like doesn't affect like my classroom or like shouldn't affect mm-hmm. your work ethic and that's like a sympathetic thing where it's kind of like look my heart goes out to you but also like it's not my problem so you sort that out and then just do what affects me which is like you're he's turning in your work when I tell you to yeah and that's so that's so tough because I feel like within society we have this mentality of you know, you keep, leave your personal stuff at the door and, you know, when you enter this space, you have a job and right now your job is student um, at this university. So I think it makes a real difference when we do introduce empathy specifically and not sympathy into the classroom. Um, because empathy, like you said, says I care about you because it affects you and not I care about you as it affects me. And I think that's a really big shift in education and also in how we just like function in the relationship between faculty and students. And it's something that kind of only exists in an educational, in an educational like area just because like most workspaces and workplaces in your like actual adult life, like they come with like sick days, vacation days, but also personal days, which are literally like, the only definition is like, if you need the time, take it. And that's not something that's really like afforded to students, even though a lot of them are more or less still working the same nine to five, like grind of having to be up early, work until late. And there's the belief that like stuff like fall break or stuff like spring break and winter break, like that stuff takes the place of it because the mentality is just trudge through like the hard parts and you'll get like your long weekend or your break. What do you mean, Peter? You mean it isn't helpful when you have midterms right after fall break and projects due to have four days off where you're not supposed to do that work? You know, I know it sounds bonkers to even imply, but that is what I'm saying. Wow. (laughs) On a more serious note, though, I will say like some instances of empathy that have like really stuck out to me. Even, and I think this is relevant because we're both in this class together, um, uh, with Professor Putsy, uh, she has gone, I think, above and beyond in some ways um, as a professor just to, like, show empathy to students with the policies that are in her syllabus. Um, you know, I think about how she encourages us to take 
mental health days and expects us to miss class, not for reasons of being sick or for having activities, but solely for the purpose of like mental health and taking a break, um, as well as giving us the entire week of fall break off because she doesn't believe that we should have to come back and like do work <laughs> on that week. <laughs> Um, and I think that like really stands out to me because I don't know many professors who think in that way. Uh, that was the first time anyone's ever said in a classroom, you need a mental health day. And I was like, whoa. I think kind of what we're hitting at here is it's about communication and it's about this, you know, willingness to be in communication with students and for students to be in communication with professors and faculty and just have this like openness um, and this kind of transparency of you know, what's going on, but also this needing to feel safe and that, you know, I can be honest and just say, hey, like, this is too much. Or, you know, this is where I'm at right now. And that I will feel as a student that that's respected. Or that even like a professor can be, I think it goes both ways that a professor can come and be like, hey, I have a really stressful week, I can't get papers back until next week. And that that's okay as well. Um, And I think that in instances where that kind of communication is happening in the classroom, that's where I feel like I see the most empathy. Um, but it's got to be both ways, you know. I've definitely been in classes before where um, professors have been really strict on deadlines for students, but then when it comes to their turnaround, it's been, goodness, I didn't get a midterm paper back until after a final one time. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, if I, I can't get an extension, but, you know, I'm not going to know my grade until after my finals do, like, that's kind of hard too. And, you know, I wouldn't have minded, you know, had they reached out and said something, but, you know, it's got to be a two-way street. This is the Steely Podcast. Students and teachers speaking as one. (laughs) Like, like in unison. Welcome back to the Steely Podcast, where we're talking with a special guest today, uh, Professor Farber. Professor, thank you so much for joining me today and um, taking time out of your busy Friday, I'm sure, to talk to us about your work. Um, Could you just tell us a little bit about um, what you do here at William & Mary and what your, your primary focus of research surrounds? Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me and having this conversation I am an assistant professor in the Department of Sociology here at William & Mary, and my research has focused on the political economy of medical tourism in Thailand, which involves travel for healthcare purposes, usually across borders, and Thailand is a global leader in this industry. And through over a year of fieldwork in Thailand, 66 interviews with people in Thailand, I learned more about how medical tourism has developed and evolved in the country, and specifically how the industry uses the labor of Thai transgender women to market its services. So there was a really interesting and problematic story about the ways in which state and private industries are profiting off of gendered labor. And not only that, but the ways in which local people in medical tourism destination countries are impacted on the levels of labor as well as health outcomes. So my research analyzed the health inequalities experienced by Thai transgender women amidst the growth of this very big 
global industry. Wow. So you sort of did my segue for me. <laughs> this week's uh, topic is about empathy, and we're sort of exploring what empathy means to us as students, um, and then, of course, faculty members and everyone else in the William Merritt community, what f- empathy can mean to our lives and our work. Um, so honestly, right before this interview, I was like, all right, I think I should come in with like a definition of empathy. Like, what does that word even mean? And so I like Googled it really quick and I saw like, okay, it means like understanding other people's feelings or at least trying to understand what other people are feeling or experiencing in their lives. What are the, the nuances of empathy? What are some of the other like lesser known pieces of that process that are really important to understand as people grow in a college environment? Mm, That's wonderful. Empathy is multifaceted. It's rich. It is both emotional and embodied. And I didn't realize that until I looked up the etymology and the history of empathy. And its origins in ancient Greek really tie to this definition of physical affection, this Mm. physical inspiration that we feel as sensations in our bodies. So empathy is first and foremost highly somatic. Whether we're watching a modern dance performance and we feel these movements in our bodies or as some psychology research showed, eating a grape and it's incredible kind of feelings involved with that. So all of this kind of early work on empathy actually was kinesthetic. And so I would say that a pillar of empathy is its quality of embodiment how our bodies respond, how we hold the stresses and the emotions and the feelings of other people and our experiences in a global world in our bodies, first and foremost, and how uncomfortable that can be often. And secondly, empathy involves, like I say, receptiveness. Mm -hmm. And so it's a feeling into and um, the, the origins of the word are also connected to that, the, that phrase. And so to me, that implication is that there is a tremendous amount of allowing, of being with, and not necessarily doing, but allowing whatever is happening to, um, to move through you in a way. And thirdly, um, and this is why empathy is so multifaceted, is that while it does require the slowness, right, this particular pace, as you alluded to and said. And it's very much embodied, and it's very much connected to simply being with and allowing and receiving what's going on. Um, It also inspires meaningful social change. So I think a lot of our listeners are either college students or other members of the college campus community. And I think this is, at least from my perspective, a pretty unique place when it comes to just how diverse the people within the space are, but then also what different um, things that we're learning about and investigating can be all in one one college. Um, and when it comes to fostering a sense of empathy among students, people who are learning together, what advice would you have for students trying to better understand different perspectives as they come into college, but then also as they're leaving college and trying to to take these lessons away with them? Yeah, great question. So I think the first I would emphasize is the slowing down, is the um, 
the freedom in some ways to explore, to listen to, to wait to respond. And um, I would stress that kind of receiving quality of being open to different paths, to different majors than you thought when you have this question that arises in a class that you didn't expect. So I would say to allow themselves the freedom and allow yourselves the freedom to explore, to listen, as well as to break out of our predefined silos. And so this is where I think collaboration across the disciplines is so natural here at William & Mary. We can spark conversations in so many different places, outside, eating, uh, in a classroom, in a call, 300, wherever you are. There's so much opportunity to learn from people who are bringing to the table different tools and methods. And the ability to work across our disciplines and also to really take in the differences uh, within our community and to embrace that and to embrace the possibilities as well as the discomfort that will inevitably arise when we do this work. So it's not puppies and rainbows 24-7. It's not everybody in Thailand thought I was great and it was this really seamless process. There were so many moments of collision, Mm. of accidental um, mistakes of of breaking a cultural norm, embarrassment, so much embarrassment. Yeah. And so also being, I don't want to say okay with that, but allowing also some empathy and some compassion for ourselves as we are in the midst of so much social change, so much social pressure. So I think also turning the lens of empathy back inwards and allowing for ourselves the space to grow and some of the messiness that will inevitably occur. So classrooms are one of the most vulnerable spaces I've ever been in. Mm. And so it takes a lot to show up every day having done the readings or maybe not always done the readings the whole time, the whole way. Um, And so there's this, first of all, this acceptance of the fact that we're human We don't have all of the time. 24 hours is different for every person. And so kind of breaking from this universal norm of we all have 24 hours. So therefore, everybody should be able to meet this criteria that I have set. So there's a high degree of a need for individualized um, practices in the classroom. And part of the ways in which that emerges is through honesty and communication between faculty and students. And so I really appreciate it when my students have told me, hey, I'm going through a breakup. I can't get through this assignment right now. Can I have an extra day? Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Or when a student is faced with a family emergency or has a physical issue that comes up. So I think it's a real need for all of us to communicate our vulnerabilities and to communicate as much as we can as honestly as possible about what's going on Mm. and what we need Um, because we all have such different needs and the classroom is a space where we try to be as um, diligent as possible for our own education and for the accessibility of the materials for all students. And so for me to do that I really appreciate when my students let me know what works, what could work better, what they need 
at any precise moment. So I think the empathy in the classroom is dependent on stretching ourselves a bit more to show up messy, incomplete, unable, to allow for a conversation about that and a working with each other with the understanding that we're not robots. Hmm. None of us. I'm going to get the timing wrong. Please forgive me. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go under. I'm going to forget to upload something to Blackboard. I guarantee it. Forgive me. Mm-hmm. Let's work together. Yeah. So it's seeing the human in all of us and communicating as best we can. Professor Farber, thank you so much for joining me today. I just absolutely enjoyed learning about your work and your um, perspective on empathy within the classroom. So thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me and speaking with me. Have you ever felt empathy for a Wilma Mary professor? Um, yeah, two of my professors have little kids who have had um, either COVID scares or they have other kinds of health issues um, which make them more susceptible to COVID and they've kind of made that known to the class and so I know that if something happened to them like they would be very concerned for their children so I feel bad for them that they're kind of professors are forced to put themselves in a scary situation sometimes because they know that college students are probably engaging in more risky behaviors but they're still like have to work and stuff so yes understanding that they are busy and they have their own lives outside of teaching, so sometimes they would misgrade my exams, misgrade my assignments, or take three weeks up to a month to get back, get my grades back. Um, but giving that, um, giving them time and patience. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I never really think about that, but like thinking about like the whole COVID thing and stuff, like I guess like they, me and been the only ones going through a rough time, I guess they've been struggling too. So yeah. I guess, yeah. This week on the Steely Podcast. What's empathy? It's not just something you learned about in high school. I know that through these conversations, I've found myself reflecting back a lot on my college experience here at William & Mary and how I have learned to be more empathetic, but also how much I still have to grow in understanding other people that I'm working with, that I am becoming friends with, and Well, my takeaway is hug your friends today. And if they're too far away to hug, send them a little heart emoji because I'm sure they'll appreciate it. And that's my version of empathy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. This is the Steely Podcast. (laughs) Like, comment, and subscribe. (laughs) Don't touch that dial. Smash that subscribe button. (laughs) Ring that little bell so you never miss an episode.